Tennis Gambling Podcast, the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, is presented by WinBet. Bet $100 a WinBet and get a $100 free bet. Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet, the sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. We're also brought to you by the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast. They're giving away an autographed DeAndre Swift jersey and a merch store gift card. Get all the details by following them on Twitter at SGPN Fantasy. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast for the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Scott Reichel, once again going solo for this episode. And for the actual episode, we're going to go through the final previews over there in Tokyo and Kazakhstan, which should be a lot of fun. Before we actually get into the final matchups, we do have to recap how we did on the last episode. Unfortunately, the lock and dog did not work out. We ended up losing with... Two plays that, truth be told, weren't that close based on the final scoreboard, but it is what it is. We ended up having Nakashima on the money line against Chorich, and he lost in straight sets. It was 7-5 in the first set, but then he eventually lost the second set 6-2. And then for the actual dog, we ended up doing something that I normally go against doing, which is backing a player who just either won a title or made a final in the previous weekend. And instead, we ended up backing Husor against Rusevori. I just thought Rusevori shouldn't have been minus 220. And instead, you know why I tend to fade guys after a title, because Husor completely no-showed the match, and I believe won a total of two games in the entire match, uh, 6-0, 6-2, I think. So not even close on those. But the good news is, for the outrights, we did a pretty good job with the quarters. To go through those, we had Quan to win his quarter in Tokyo. We also ended up having... Uh, who else did we have? Sorry, just going through the actual uh, card itself. Yeah, we had Quan in his quarter. We had, uh, that's actually basically it for the quarter. Unfortunately for us, Kyrios ended up uh, retiring mid-tournament and walked over as Fritz ended up getting a free pass and Chapo got past Chorich. We had Nakashima and that didn't work out. So not the greatest results over there in Tokyo. The results in Kazakhstan, though, were very solid for the quarters as we ended up getting three out of the four right in that tournament. We ended up having Rublev in the top quarter to win. He ended up making it through. A Tsitsipas we did not have, but he ended up getting there. Uh, then you ended up having Djokovic, obviously, and we had Medvedev. So we ended up getting three out of four for the quarters, but for the outrights remaining for the actual tournament winner, we have one remaining. We have Djokovic, and he takes on Tsitsipas. But unfortunately, we were hoping it would be Djokovic versus Rublev because we also gave out Rublev at around 8-1, to one, and he was up one set to nothing against Tsitsipas. And then Tsitsipas won the final two. So we almost had both outrights against each other in the final, but that was not the case. So hopefully Djokovic can win, and we could end up winning another tournament. But either way, to get into the overall just vibe of the tournament itself. I do want to do a brief recap of how we got to this point. I mentioned a couple of the matchups, but there's really one takeaway that I wanted to discuss, or at least one type of match that I really wanted to discuss, which I found kind of bizarre with the, with the way that it ended. And it actually involves the outright I just mentioned, involves Djokovic. And the way that he got to the final was extremely unorthodox because he ended up playing against Medvedev, phenomenal semifinal. And the first set, Medvedev wins the set 6-4. Okay, you know, respecting a war, he ended up getting it. Second set, Djokovic and Medvedev are battling, and Djokovic ends up 
being a little bit lucky that Medvedev missed a free volley right at the net, which would have given him match point, uh, which would have given a match point. Uh, you ended up having Medvedev slam into the net. Then Djokovic had a passing shot down the line, which hit the net, and you ended up going into a long breaker, and Djokovic eventually won the break 8-6. And then you were going to expect a usual changeover, maybe a couple of minutes of just both players drinking water, maybe the occasional trainer just to make sure that you know they're fully, fully fit for what should be a phenomenal third set. And then Djokovic is walking to his actual chair during the changeover, and Medvedev stops him at the net, shakes his hand, and then says, I'm going home. And then ended up shaking the hand of the chair umpire as well. And the match was over. Medvedev had was basically one point away from match point. It was a phenomenal match. Medvedev looked completely fine during the tiebreak. It was 8-6. Djokovic was playing at a high level. So was Medvedev. And then he lost the breaker, and Medvedev just... I guess either had a serious injury that he didn't want to talk about or he didn't want to be there anymore and he threw in the towel. But I thought it was extremely weird because the trainer wasn't even called. And you figure in between sets, you automatically have a couple of minutes anyway. Nobody called the physio up to that point. You figured that with an injury, especially in a 1-1 match going into the third set with arguably the two or three, two of the three best players in the world, maybe two of the top four, you figure Medvedev's going to push through it, or at least try to, for the third set and see how long his body can hold up. But he didn't call out the trainer. He didn't even get a time at it, it was just weird. He didn't even sit down in the chair. The whole situation was bizarre. And Djokovic ended up winning via uh, retirement for Medvedev. But I kind of wanted to bring that up because that was really the main talking point that I wanted to to bring up was kind of just theories on what happened. And as I said before, and if you if you watch the match, you know what I'm talking about. Medvedev really did not look injured throughout the entire match. I get that Djokovic was making him run around back and forth, and I get that fatigue is going to be a concern when you have to play against Djokovic because every point's going to take about a half hour. But still, the fact that he didn't even sit in the chair in between sets the fact that he didn't even call out the physio to explain what was wrong, it seemed a little bit weird. Now, I'm not accusing him of any type of, of foul play. I'm not saying that he was match fixing. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying he was match fixing or whatever. But I do find it a little bit weird that Medvedev just decided to quit out of the blue. And I'm wondering if there's a serious injury and he might be shut down for the rest of the year. We'll see. But I thought the ending of that match was extremely odd. And I wanted to talk about it. As for the other tournament, you had two really, really fun semifinal matchups in Tokyo. You ended up having Tiafo win in three against Quan. It was unfortunate because we had Quan as one of our outrights, and Quan won the second set six nothing. And you thought maybe Tiafo would roll over. He did not. He just saved energy for the third, and Quan ended up losing. But you ended up having a nice three-set match there, and you had the Fritz-Shapo match, which was really, really entertaining, where Fritz hit that falling-down lob shot on, uh, while uh, he had a break point against Shapo, and the shot hit the line, and Fritz ended up holding after that, and he won the match. But Fritz has been involved in three marathon matches. He was lucky, though, because Kyrgios withdrew, so he ended up having... Uh, three long matches, but a break in between because he had a walkover. But he had a three-set match against Chapo, I just mentioned. He had a three-set match against uh, Maria, and he had a three-set match against Duckworth. Meanwhile, Tiafo has had 
an easier go of it, so to speak. He ended up beating Zapata Marias in straight sets. There was a tie break in there in the second set. Beat Kekmanovic. He destroyed him, actually, 6-0, 6-4. And then he ended up beating Kwan, as I said before, in three. We'll go through those matchups in particular in a second. But before we actually get into all that, I do want to take a quick word to hear from our sponsors. Thinking of joining WinBet, now is the perfect time because new customers who bet $100 get a $100 free bet. Plus, the WinBet Casino is always open 24 hours a day where you can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. WinBet is live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. Plus, WinBet has their own same-game parlay feature. Just click on the game that you like, select Build Your Own Bet, and start building a monster parlay. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We're also brought to you by Fubo TV. If you watch football, you need Fubo TV. Fubo TV gives you complete coverage of college and pro football with NFL Red Zone Plus games in 4K at no extra charge. Over 100 channels of live sports and entertainment for a fraction of the price of cable. Watch on all your devices and never miss a game again or one of your favorite episodes from your favorite TV shows with the included cloud-based DVR. Plus, there's no contract, no commitment, and you can cancel at any time. Right now, you can try Fubo TV free for seven days and get 15% off your first month. Just go to FuboTV.com slash SGP. That's F-U-B-O-T-V.com slash SGP. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We just finished recapping what happened over the past weekend, how we got up to these final matchups, and also what the hell happened with the Medvedev retirement against Djokovic. But either way, time to move on to the actual finals, and we're going to start off with Tokyo because that is taking place first. So we'll go in chronological order, and we're going to start off going through the actual basic lines. We're going to start off with... The money lines, then the spreads and the totals, the same as usual. But Fritz is a slight favorite here at minus 125, which means that Tiafo is plus 105 on the other end. Uh, going through the games, it is over under 23 and a half, uh, minus 105 on the over. The under is 20 th- under 23 and a half, minus 125. You could shop around, find some alternatives, and definitely find a juice 22 and a half if you want that potential 7-6, 6-4 draw, which is definitely possible. But besides that, to go through... The other type of fun bets you could make on this match, uh, the spread, you have Fritz minus one and a half games at minus 110. Uh, Tiafos plus one and a half at minus 125 on the other end. And if you want to go for a straight sets or a three sets victory, Fritz in straight is plus 160. Tiafo in straight is plus 220. Fritz in three is plus 330. And Tiafo in three is plus 390. So to go through the actual head-to-head matchups in the past, They've had a pretty interesting go of it because they played twice in 2016 and really nothing more to show for it. Uh, They played in Winston-Salem back in 2016. Fritz won in straight sets, and they played before that in the same year in uh, Indian Wells, and Tiafa won that one in three. But to go through the just conceptually how these guys match up against each other, it's really going to come down to 
if Fritz can do enough damage on the forehand side, because Tiafo, I do think is well, I also forgot to mention some other matches. For some reason, one book didn't have it. Uh, they faced off in uh, Paris in 2019. Fritz won that one in three. Uh, they faced off in the Australian Open in 2022. Fritz won that one in straight sets. And they faced off in Montreal a little while ago. And Fritz won that one in three as well. So Fritz has had a pretty good run of it, as Fritz has won each of the last four meetings. Uh, so you have to wonder if Tiafa will be able to overcome that. Once again, though, to go back to what I was trying to say, it does come down to the forehand of Fritz and if he can actually create depth and get himself ahead in points. We know Tiafo is very good at moving around the court. However, he does seem to run out of gas at various portions of matches, which is why he lost the second set 6-0 to Quan. It seemed like he was conserving energy as he was trying to save himself for the third set. But I do think Fritz, when you look at the overall players as a whole, I think Fritz is the better player, and with the win he had against Shapovalov, he will officially join the top 10 next week. So he has proven himself to be a top 10 worthy player. Tiafo, I believe, is top 20. I'm not sure if he's top 10, but he's definitely approaching top 15 because he has been that good over the past really year, but especially for the last couple of months, which is why he ended up being a U.S. Open semifinalist. But I do think Fritz is the better player. And we know that Fritz's strokes can self-destruct at various points. So can Tiafo's. Tiafo also has some really awful shot selection at times, mostly involving drop shots where he thinks he can try to hit it from about five feet behind the baseline and it doesn't exactly work out. But I do think at the end of the day, you will see a very competitive match, a very close one. And I think it's basically a coin flip. So I think for the coin flip argument, you can talk about Tiafo because he's getting plus money. And... I am a bit concerned that Fritz has gone to three sets against everybody besides Kyrgios who dropped out, but three sets against Duckworth, three sets against Mariah. I'm not exactly sold on those outcomes. And I do think that Chapo, even though it was a nice win, Chapo could have been battling some fatigue because he was in the final the week prior before losing to Nishioka in that one. But still, I think I'm going to lean to Tiafo in this one. And I do think that even though Fritz has the head-to-head advantage, the matches have been close. And I do think since these guys are very familiar with each other, and since I am a little bit concerned with Fritz's stamina levels going or overall form because of the fact he struggled against Duckworth and Mariah in the first two rounds, I do think he might be a little bit overvalued in this matchup. And Tiafo, Quan was playing a hell of a tournament if you were watching the matches. He absolutely smacked Diminor, and he also did a great job in the matches after that where he beat up uh, Mackenzie McDonald pretty convincingly. That ended up going three, but I know he won the third set convincingly. And then the match after that, Quan really, really just dominated against Martinez. Martinez isn't exactly a good hardcore player, but still 6-3, 6-0. He was looking very sharp, and Tiafo ended up beating him in three, and Tiafo also really good against Tekmanovic, who had the thrilling win against Evans in the round prior. But I like Tiafo's current form, and I do think that he will end up winning this matchup probably in three. So I'm going to go with Tiafo to get the job done here in Tokyo. And then moving on to Kazakhstan, you have Djokovic, who, in my opinion, is still the best player in the world and arguably the best player of all time, taking on Tsitsipas. And Tsitsipas had a really disastrous hardcore season uh, in the last couple of months as he lost in the first round of the U.S. Open. However, it does seem like the Davis Cup... Uh, potentially got him back on track 
or and the, uh, the Labor Cup as well, uh, to go through his last couple of matches in the Davis Cup. He beat a relative no-name, uh, two relative no-names in straight sets, then beat Schwartzman in the Labor Cup, then ended up losing to Tiafo in a very, very intense first-to-ten tiebreak in the third, and he lost eight, uh, he lost 10-8. to eight. Then he ended up having this tournament, Kakushkin straight sets, Nardi straight sets, Herkaz straight sets, and then beat Rublev from a set down. He's looked very good, and it's nice to see Tsitsipas back in form. I know I've roasted him in the past for being one of the most hated players on tour. I feel like it's all warranted. He's still a very solid player, and it's nice to see him back in form. But he's facing Djokovic, and historically speaking, Djokovic has gotten the better of him, as Djokovic is 7-3 and three in the head-to-head. Now, the last four matches were on clay. Djokovic won all four of them. One of them was the French Open final in 2021, and Djokovic came back from two sets down to win that one. They had also had a French Open um, semifinal match the year prior, and Djokovic lost the, the third and the fourth set, but won the fifth. So it was kind of an interesting little matchup there. But the clay matches are very close. They had the thrilling match in Rome where Djokovic won in three you had the match in Rome again in the final this year. Djokovic won 6-0-7-6. The hardcourt matches, though, were close because since he's up 7-3, if you take the clay out of the equation, including the uh, 2019 Madrid Masters final, that means Tsitsipas actually has a winning record against Djokovic on hardcourt because Tsitsipas is up 3-2. Djokovic was the most recent winner in 2020, played in Dubai in the final, and Djokovic won 6-3-6-4. But I am going to throw it out there, though. Paz does have a winning record on hardcourt against Djokovic in their careers. But Djokovic has really looked dialed in ever since he came back from his time off with the U.S. Open. Paz finally is back in form. But you do have to wonder if Paz can maintain his level for a long enough period to dethrone Djokovic. Because Djokovic, we know, is going to potentially wear down Paz over what could be a three-plus-hour match. I expect an absolute war and a grind. And Djokovic did just play in the final in Tel Aviv, which he beat Chilichin handily. Didn't drop a set in the entire tournament. But since he had so much time off leading up to the Tel Aviv match, and since Djokovic is one of the most fit players in the tour's history, I do think he'll be able to overcome any serious fatigue. It also helps that he only played two sets against Medvedev because Medvedev was uh, retired, so there was no third set that he had to play. For this overall matchup, there's really no value on Djokovic's money line. I'm not going to hear. I'm not going to sit here and convince you or try to make a case for minus 380. I think that's a little bit crazy. I do think Sitsipas might have a little bit of value though at plus 290 because of the head-to-head advantage. I don't think he's going to win the match though, but for value alone, I think Djokovic should be closer to minus 280, minus 300. I do think you could make a case for Sitsipas to win a set, and for him to win a set, it's plus 105. I don't mind that. I think Tsitsipas could, keyword could, win a set. And Djokovic showed against Medvedev that he was vulnerable in the first set and could potentially be on the ropes over the course of this two out of three. But I do think Djokovic will probably win the match. I do think that if you want to talk about some potential serious value plays, you could take Tsitsipas to win the first set and Djokovic to win the match at plus 650. I think that's a huge plus price, which I don't mind. Over two and a half sets at plus 190. I don't necessarily mind either. If you want to go through the actual spread, Djokovic is a pretty 
a healthy favorite in this overall match as he should be because he's minus 380 in terms of the spread. So if you want to go through the actual spread numbers, Djokovic is rough around three and a half or four and a half. So you can kind of just shop around, but he's a pretty hefty favorite. I'm not going to lay that. I do think that it makes sense based on where the money line is located. But since I have a problem with the actual money line price, that means I think Cincy Paz might have some value on either the three and a half or the four and a half, because I do think that they could go to one tie break. But I do think at the end of the day, Djokovic will probably win, but it'll be a very close match, a very entertaining match. And I think it should be close. So that's kind of my thoughts on the overall finals matchups. But before we actually get into our favorite plays in the lock and dog segment, we're going to have another word from our sponsor. We're also brought to you by the Elias Game Plan app. Did you know that the best day of the week is actually Monday and Thursday and Sunday because it's NFL season and it's our favorite time of the year. And whether you're at the fantasy leagues, betting on your team, or you just want to talk about some highlights around the water cooler at work, the NFL season just got a lot better thanks to the Elias Game Plan app, the ultimate sports betting and fantasy companion for the NFL, the NBA, and the MLB. The Elias Game Plan app is the only sports app from the most trusted name in sports stats, the Elias Sports Bureau, the official statisticians of U.S. Pro Sports Leagues. Elias Game Plan is full of information and insights provided from their renowned research team, which means they constantly give you information that is up to date and that you can trust. The app gives you everything you need to get a competitive edge, whether it involves head-to-head team comparisons ahead of their matchups, along with Elias key insights from the Elias statisticians, including injury impact analysis, or they also give you expert game analysis, which can give you the advantage in betting, picking your fantasy lineups, and showing off your sports knowledge. And Elias Game Plan also is releasing new features all the time, including a chat function so you can actually chat directly with their researchers. And the Elias Game Plan app has been very useful for me when it comes down to the NFL season and trying to track down all of the injuries. It's always tricky trying to navigate through the injury reports. Everyone's listed as questionable. You never actually know who's going to play, but Elias can easily help organize all of the injury information in one convenient location to help you with anything betting or fantasy related for the NFL. And if you want to elevate your NFL season today, download the Elias Game Plan app. That's E-L-I-A-S. And they also have a very special deal right now when you subscribe. Get 25% off your first month when you choose the monthly subscription. Just use promo code SGPN25. Find Elias Game Plan Sports Betting in the App Store or Play Store today and use the promo code SGPN25. We're also brought to you by Nowhouse Advantage. Nowhouse Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in pick'em contests versus other people for a shot at winning $250,000 in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all of your picks. Bet on up to five player props, over-unders, or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, 
It's also where you play, and you don't want to miss out on this. Sign up with promo code SGPN at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app to get a first deposit match up to $25. We're also brought to you by Trade Coffee. Do you like to have delicious coffee delivered straight to your home? Then Trade Coffee has you covered. Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. On top of that, Trade Coffee also has a team of coffee experts that personally taste test over 450 roasts so they know exactly what to recommend for you all you have to do is answer a couple of questions and you'll get your own personalized variety of coffees delivered fresh to you as often as you like trade also has a great deal going on right now they're offering new subscribers a total of 30 dollars off their first order plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com sgp that's more than 40 cups of coffee absolutely free get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com sgp and let trade find you a coffee that you'll love that's drinktrade.com sgp for 30 dollars off We're also brought to you by odds trader what is odds trader it's a place where you can compare odds from all the major sports books in one convenient location you can compare the different sign-up codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal the app also gives you player statistics key game stats injury reports and projected game day weather for betters to make the most informed bets possible it also has a bet tracker so betters can keep track of their records on all the games and their betting activity go to oddstrader.com slash blue wire and oddstrader the number one site for all of your game day bets welcome back everyone to the tennis gambling podcast we just finished going through the final matchups for both tokyo and kazakhstan now it's time to actually get into the lock and dog segment for the show and starting off with the lock i am going to go to a total it's going to be kind of similar to the exact block that we gave out uh, last week, it's going to be the over in total games between Fritz and Tiafo in the final. And the best line I see right now is over 22 and a half games at minus 125. I do think that this line is too cheap, especially with how the head-to-head matches have gone. Yes, I mentioned that Fritz has done well in the head-to-head in terms of actually winning matches. However, the matches have been pretty competitive. And to go through those, they played in Montreal. That went three sets with a 7-5 in the first set. The friend, the Australian Open, first one in straight sets, there was a tiebreak in there. Played in Paris in 2019, there was a tiebreaker in the first set as well. That also went three. So if you're looking at two of the last three matches between these players, it ended up going the distance. And I do think that Tiafo can create problems for Fritz with his movement. I think Fritz is going to have some issues with the strokes on occasion. And I am also wondering about a bit of a letdown spot here. I know that Fritz is a very, very good player, but he also just became a top 10 player. And I wonder if maybe he was celebrating. Maybe there's a little bit of a side plot developing there with his career. Maybe he's not fully, fully engaged in this tournament finals. He should be. I still think he should win at least one set. I just think Tiafo is not going to go away. They're both American players. They know each other. I'm sure they've uh, rallied against each other, practiced all the time with the USTA. I'm sure they've had a lot of uh, interactions over the last, I don't even know, decade at this point. But I'm going to go with the over. I think 22 and a half, especially for a 7-6-6-4 final being a win. I think you'll see two minimum, two very competitive sets. And I think you probably end up seeing three. So I'm going to go with Tiafo and Fritz over 22 and a half games at minus 125 as my lock. And for my dog, it's going to be the exact same thing that we ended up doing last uh, final preview episode, which ended up losing. But for the Rune match against Hussler, we had four shots to win both. 
We had the over for games, and we also had the over two and a half sets, and Rune had four set points in the second set and couldn't convert in any of them, and then lost in a tie break in the second. So that ended up going 0-2, but I still like the logic in there, and I do like the idea of Fritz and Tiafo just battling it out over the course of this overall match. I think you'll see a very competitive match with ebbs and flows. I think you'll end up seeing a real war breakout between these players. And as a result, I am going to go with the over two and a half sets at plus 125 as my dog. Uh, I do think at the end of the day, you'll see a pretty, pretty evenly matched battle. And I think as a result, it'll probably go the distance. Now, maybe you'll end up seeing a breaker and we'll end up losing 6-4, 7-6, but then we win the lock anyway. I just think based on what I've seen and how Fritz has commonly gone to three sets in pretty much each round of this event, I think it's a little bit mispriced. And I do think as a result, there is some value on the over two and a half sets in that final. But I do want to actually mention one prop that I am kind of tempted by. I thought about giving this out as a lock. I decided not to, but I am going to throw it out there because I do like some fun props that you can kind of bet on. It's going to involve the match we didn't talk about, with Tsitsipas and Rublev, and it is going to be the Tsitsipas double fault prop, which I find kind of fascinating. Uh, if you look at the number itself, the current number is one and a half, and the over one and a half double faults is minus 150. I like the over on that one. Uh, you're looking at Tsitsipas's matches so far in this event against Nardi. I'll start off going backwards, actually. So against Rublev, he had three. He went over. In the second round match against Herkaz, he went under. He had zero, actually, throughout that match, which is kind of impressive. Against Nardi, he ended up having two. And against Kakushkin, he had one. But the point is, Djokovic is one of the best returners of all time, arguably the best returner of all time. And Tsitsipas will not be able to get away with a bunch of really, really soft second serves. I do think that Tsitsipas will be forced to push a little bit with the second serve. And I think you'll end up seeing him double fault on occasion as a result. But to go through Tsitsipas's matches against Djokovic on hard court, Clay you could mention, but Clay's a little bit of a different animal. In the uh, five hard court career matches, Tsitsipas has had at least two double faults in each of those matches. So minus 150, I like the prop there. I didn't mention it as a lock, though, because it's not exactly the most accessible prop. Only a certain amount of books have it. But I do like the double fault prop in that Tsitsipas Djokovic match. But that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Once again, the lock is going to be the over 22 and a half games in the Tiafo Fritz match. The dog is going to be the over two and a half sets in the Tiafo Fritz match. And the fun prop bonus bet will be the over two, the over one and a half double faults in that Tsitsipas Djokovic match for Tsitsipas. And that is at minus 150. But you can find me on Twitter at Rice Radio. Besides that, I'll be back at some point next week for the NBA Gambling Podcast, for the NFL Gambling Podcast, for the Fantasy Podcast, and for the Tennis Podcast, of course. So until next time, hopefully we cash the lock dog and the prop bet, and hopefully Djokovic wins to cash us the outright. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone. 